This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, January 4th, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. A new Islamic military alliance is aimed at defeating ISIS in the backyard of Saudi Arabia, but the alliance has a few clear problems. It may not be as dedicated to its task as initially claimed, and it may be in part driven by the improved diplomatic position of Iran. Emma Ashford, a visiting fellow at the Cato Institute, discusses the alliance. The Islamic Military Alliance is a group that was proposed by Saudi Arabia a couple of weeks ago, um, and it's basically a coalition of more than 30 Islamic countries that are dedicated to fighting terrorism. This sounds really great. Um, Actually, we don't really know that much about the group yet. We don't really know who's really involved. A lot of the countries that uh, the Saudis listed as being involved had not really heard of the alliance before the announcement. Um, A lot of the countries aren't necessarily Muslim. A number of them are majority Christian, which is a little strange. And we don't know whether it's a military alliance, some kind of Arab NATO, uh, some sort of diplomatic system. And we also don't know what they mean by terrorism. So really, we don't know that much at all about what this is, just that it's sort of an intriguing announcement. So presumably, ISIS is front and center on the agenda of of any group, whatever the group is uh, aimed at. If it's, we're going to fight terrorism, however we define that, one would think that ISIS is right on the top of the list. And the one group that they have said that they will fight this Islamic military alliance is that they will definitely be fighting ISIS. Um, And a lot of people say that this alliance is a response to increasing U.S. pressure to step up for these Arab states uh, in the Gulf who have a lot more to lose in the fight against ISIS than we do to step up in that fight. So what does uh, Saudi Arabia, for example, uh, which you said announced this this group that may or may not actually have all the members claimed, uh, what is the risk that they face against ISIS? I mean, clearly they're just a couple of doors down, so... First of all, most of the states in the region obviously face a larger risk from ISIS just because they are closer to it. Um, The Saudis in particular have experienced a number of bombings on their soil. Some of those bombings aimed at Shiites inside Saudi Arabia designed to sort of drive a wedge between them and the government. Um, But ISIS has also explicitly said that it wants to overthrow the Saudi monarchy in the long run. And this is because for, for ISIS, an Islamic state that wants to establish a caliphate, overthrowing the Saudi monarchy that controls the most holy sites of Islam is the obvious uh, goal. So up until now, why haven't Saudi Arabia and some of these other countries uh, done more to work together to defeat what is clearly a threat to uh, their countries? Initially, they were committing at least a little bit towards sort of bombing ISIS. They were the Saudis, the Emiratis, the Jordanians were involved in the campaign against ISIS. But in March and April, when they, when the GCC uh, basically invaded Yemen, started their big war there, they pulled all of their planes back from the fight against ISIS. Um, and we've been seeing a lot of frustration in the White House and the Pentagon here, where we're hearing that these countries are no longer contributing at all to the fight against ISIS because they're devoting so much energy and attention to their ongoing war in Yemen. Before we started recording, you mentioned that Iran is front and center to uh, Saudi Arabia's agenda going forward. So what is their particular beef with Iran today, leaving aside the historical animosity? 
So the Saudis are concerned, uh, at least today, that the Iranian nuclear deal, the JCPOA, signed earlier in the year, will serve to sort of rehabilitate Iran, make them a little more palatable to certain members of the international community, in particular that maybe Iranian-American relations will improve for the first time since the 1970s. And that would be bad for the Saudis because we have had a very strong relationship with Saudi Arabia, especially since the Iranian revolution. They don't want to see the U.S., Uh, develop a better relationship with Iran. And why is that? The Saudis have had a long regional rivalry with Iran. It's partly religious, it's partly cultural, and mostly just down to the fact that they are the two biggest countries in the region. So the Saudis absolutely fear that if the U.S. were to turn away from them and pursue more of a, a sort of a better bilateral relations with Iran, that it would hurt them in the long run. Saudi Arabia is worried about Iran even just as a matter of optics, is being rehabilitated as a member of the global community. Does that then open up the kind of pressure that you're talking about, allowing the United States to exert more pressure on Saudi Arabia to do more to fight ISIS? doesn't seem like that's the case. Um, the Saudis have been sort of diverging from the U.S. in the last year in terms of interests. We see that they are very much pursuing these policies designed to push back against Iran across the region. The U.S. is more concerned about counterterrorism and stability. Those, those are different interests in a lot of cases. And when we look at this new alliance that they're proposing, one of the things that's really concerning is the fact that there are basically no Shiite states included. Iran is not included, perhaps not surprising, but Iraq's not included. And how do you fight ISIS if you don't include Iraq? The timing of the alliance also seems to owe a lot to the fact that the Saudis are having sort of problems at home with the collapse in oil prices. We're seeing economic problems. They've just had to slash their budget. The war in Yemen is not going well and is getting increasingly unpopular inside Saudi Arabia. And so the announcement of this alliance um, might just have been to try and look good, respond to U.S. pressure to do more against ISIS and to look good at home. That doesn't mean it will be effective in the long run. Emma Ashford is a visiting fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to this and other Cato podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.